All right, well, let's open with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We thank you. We praise you. We worship you, Lord. You are indeed a great and awesome God. I thank you for everyone who's here tonight, none by chance, all by divine appointment. And Lord, we ask right now as we go to your word that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to each and every one of us. We love you, Lord. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Amen. So it's rare that I don't have my text laid out for me. And when it's not laid out for me, it's hard for me to figure out. But this has been on my heart for a while. Because here's the reality. We are not where we need to be spiritually if we are not walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen to that? We know in the, in the Gospels that Jesus breathed the Spirit into them, and then he told them to wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. We saw the radical transformation in the apostles, we're going to see that in tonight's text, where Peter, you know, who was a man who thought he was brave and said he would never deny the Lord, we saw that he denied the Lord three times, and the third time it was a, a young girl said, you're one of Jesus' followers, and he cussed. And he swore and said he did not know the Lord and ran away and was in hiding. We know when Jesus was hanging on the cross, the only one of the apostles that was there was John. And the rest of them had run away and were hiding. So these very same men, these are the apostles, not the apostles. Can I get amen to that? These guys are supposed to be their guys, right? They've been walking with Jesus for three years. But as soon as the pressure got hot, they wilted. And the reason that they wilted is they were walking in the strength of their flesh, not in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So guys, we need to, you know, Jesus said of men born among women, there's been none greater than John the Baptist. And John the Baptist said, I must decrease that he might increase. So we see that Jesus, the the four gospels, Jesus has ascended into heaven. And as he ascends into heaven, he told them to go and wait, that not many days from now, the Holy Spirit would come upon them. And that brings us to Acts chapter 2. If you have your outline, uh, grab it. I tell the message, power from heaven. Power from heaven. The coming of the Holy Spirit. See, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would be given for a specific, to a specific person for a specific time. Remember, David cried out to the God, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. But as born-again Christians under the new covenant, right, after Jesus died on the cross, when you're born again, the Holy Spirit goes from being, you know, with you like he's with the world or conscience, and he came to live inside of you. And as soon as the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, the Bible tells us he's a down payment on heaven. We see it in Acts chapter, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, blessed, chosen, adopted, accepted, redeemed, forgiven, enlightened, assured, and sealed. And so the Holy Spirit living in you is evidence that you've been born again. He both comforts you and convicts you. But the Bible talks about the Spirit not just being with us, but in us, but also upon us. And we'll talk about that tonight as we go through the text. So the Holy Spirit living inside of us is what makes us a part of the church, part of the body of Christ. And so tonight's text, we'll see if we get through the whole thing. It's a lot of verses. Uh, First, we're going to see the church waiting, waiting upon the Lord. How many of you guys like to wait? Nobody's hands up. You, you hate waiting, holding your hand up while you're holding your hand up. No, nobody likes to wait. We, we, we'd rather have God answer yes or no than have him say, wait. Can I get an amen to that? So we want to hear from the Lord. We want God to move in our lives. But the church and you and I, we need to learn to wait. It says in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart, but to wait for the promise of the Father. So the believers are gathered together with one heart and one desire, waiting upon the Lord. If we are to grow spiritually, we must be undistracted, 
have undistracted time of waiting upon the Lord. You know, too often we move without hearing from God because we're unwilling to wait. Number two, not only the church waiting, but the church worshiping. It says in Acts 2, verse 4, we'll see that this, uh, this evening. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Everyone heard them speak in, in their own language the wonderful works of God. Know that the Holy Spirit is not the author of confusion. If we're to live lives that speak of love, grace, and the power of God to a lost and dying world, we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. So the church waiting, the church worshiping, and then we're going to see the church witnessing. It says in Acts chapter one, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. You know, people talk about going witnessing and I think that's, that's a wonderful thing. You know, we're gonna go witnessing at the mall from six to eight on Saturday night or, you know, you pick a time and I think it's a wonderful time to go out and just go talk to people about Jesus. But guys, we don't just go witnessing, we are witnesses, Amen? We're called to be witnesses everywhere we go. There's divine appointments waiting for us. We've talked about this repeatedly, but when you show up at work tomorrow, the Holy Spirit just entered the building. Can I get an amen? And wherever you go, there's opportunities to tell people about the Lord. So not only the church waiting and the church worshiping and the church witnessing, but if we have time, we'll look at the church walking. And it, it continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. And that's, what, that's the model that we follow here. If you've been coming here any length of time, we focus on the word of God. Nothing less than a whole Bible makes a whole Christian, amen? We teach the whole counsel of God. You know, when you teach verse by verse, you don't get to skip over any tough stuff, amen? You, you teach it all, and it's all, God gave it all to us, so we need to teach all of it. We also need fellowship. You know, if God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind, he said, forsake not the gathering yourselves together and all the more as the day approaches. And we as believers are called. There's something, my dad used to say this, most of you know my dad's in heaven. He was a pastor for over 60 years. And he used to always tell me, son, there's something special that happens when God's people gather together to worship. Can I get an amen to that? And to study the word of God. This should just be gravy to the time you have alone with the Lord in your own uh, worship time, but we need to be in a place of worship. Not only that, the breaking of bread, we, we do both. There's two things that refers to communion and what they call the love feast or agape feast that we have here, which we'll have on the, we have the first Sunday of every month. And then in prayer, should make my father's house a house of prayer. These are all evidences of the power of the Holy Spirit transforming our lives. So let's begin there in verse one. And again, the book of Acts, it's been referred to as the Acts of the Apostles. It could better be referred to as the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus' final words as he ascended into heaven, I quoted a moment ago, Acts 1 verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The apostles in their own power had proven to be miserable failures. And you and I walk in what we battle in the strength of our own flesh, we'll be miserable failures. Can I get an amen to that? We try to do it in our own strength. We try to work harder and be better. We can't do it apart from the Lord. And the apostles we're going to see here in these first few verses and throughout this chapter, they had walked with Jesus for three years. They had heard him teach. They saw him perform miracles. They saw him leave the Pharisees speechless. They, Peter, James, and John, 
where saw him in his heavenly glory on the Mount of Transfiguration, yet these men walking in the strength of their own flesh were faithless, fearful, and to quick, quick to forget what Jesus had taught them, that he would raise from the dead on the third day. So they had all kinds of exposure to the Lord, but they were trying to follow after him in their own strength. And this is why we fail in our walks with the Lord. We try to, to do it on our own strength. You know, Peter catches some static, but I will say this, you know, Peter, you know, sank, but he got out of the boat. Can I get an amen to that? He's the only one that got out of the boat, but he lost faith quickly. The waves kicked up, but again, he took his eyes off of Jesus and began to sink. He also confessed that Jesus is the son of God. And Jesus said that, you know, flesh and blood have not revealed to you, this to you, but my father in heaven. But at the same time, we saw him fail miserably when it came to denying our Savior. Guys, our flesh is weak. Can I get an amen to that? It succumbs to temptation. It thinks only of the temporal. It makes excuses for our sinful behavior. In our flesh, the Bible says, dwelleth no good thing. And praise God, the Lord didn't leave us alone. Can I get an amen to that? You know what's amazing is they got to walk with Jesus. How many would you would have loved to walk with Jesus when he was here? Can I get an amen to that? But let me say this about that. I think that we might be more blessed if that's possible. Because see, when they were with Jesus, he wasn't always with them. And, in, and he, you know, he would go away and pray. And then he eventually went into heaven. You know what? When you give your life to the Lord, the Holy Spirit is always with you. Amen? He will never leave you nor forsake you. He is the one that wrote the word of God and helps you understand it. Can I get an amen to that? They use men to do it, but the Holy Spirit. So guys, we're the most blessed of all believers because we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our source of power to live holy, to witness boldly, and to love unconditionally. And guys, we can't do that without the Lord. He is the third person of the, the Godhead. He is God. The Holy Spirit is God. Amen. Not just an essence or, you know, oh, the essence or the... He, he, the Bible talks about him. He is a person, right? He's the third part of the Trinity. So let's begin there in verse one, the church waiting and what's amazing, I love this quote, one of my favorite quotes, and it was said that by Vance Havner that in the early church, if the Holy Spirit was removed, 95% of what the church did would change and everyone would notice. And then he made the statement that in the church today, in many churches, if the Holy Spirit was removed, 95% of what, what people, the church does now would stay the same and not very many people would notice. See, guys, we don't want to program the Holy Spirit out of the building. Can I get an amen to that? It's so easy to, just, to, to, to come in and do the rituals or whatever those things may be. We sit down, we three, sing three songs, we open our Bibles. But guys, we can program the Lord right out of the building if we're not careful. We need to be taught by the Lord. We need to be you know, convicted by the Holy Spirit. So let's begin there again, looking first at the church waiting. It said, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now, penta, Pentecost, it means 50. And Pentecost was a feast that they celebrated looking back. Remember that Passover was the, when Jesus died on the cross, right? Passover, they were looking back to their deliverance out of bondage in Egypt. But if you remember, the last plague on Passover was the blood of the lamb in the shape of a cross. Amen? You remember that. So without putting the blood, shedding the blood of the lamb, watching it for four days, examining it, then taking the blood and applying it, then the angel of death would pass over. So Passover was looking back to their deliverance out of bondage in Egypt, but we all know it was looking forward to the cross. Amen? Now, what's amazing is 
that the next, the day after the next Sabbath was the Feast of First Fruits. So Passover would come, then Sabbath would go by, which was Saturday in those days. And the day after that, which was Sunday, was the Feast of First Fruits. Well, we all know that while they were looking back, that was always looking forward to the resurrection of our Savior. Amen? Keep in mind, everything in the Old Testament is always pointing to Jesus. He's in every chapter, in every page. Can I get an amen to that? Now, Pentecost was 50 days, 50 days later, after the Feast of First Fruits. So here we are 50 days later, and they're all gathered together, and they're waiting. And they don't, I'm not even sure they know what they're waiting for, but they're waiting. If you go to Leviticus 23, it lays out all of the feasts, the Passover, First Root, Pentecost, trumpets, and tabernacles. Uh, I've taught that before. One of these times I'll teach that again. And it talks about, you know, there's four feasts that have been fulfilled and three more that are coming. You know, the millennial kingdom, the second return of Christ. So they're all with one accord in one place. Jesus had ascended back to heaven 10 days earlier, and 120 people were there together in the upper room waiting upon the Lord. So here, that's the entire church for the most part. It's 120 people. Jesus lived on this planet for three years. He shared the truth everywhere he went. And on the cross, the 12 that were with him, 11 up, one had denied him. And one betrayed him, one denied him. They're, they're all hiding from him except for John. The first ones that come to the tomb in the morning were, were the women and not the men. By the way, you see women are, are a lot more spiritual in the New Testament. Can I get an amen to that? They're always showing up where Jesus is, and the guys are off hiding. What's up with that? Can I get an amen? Last ones to leave Jesus, first ones to show up at the tomb. They still were faithless, though, because they came to embalm a dead man when he was a risen living Savior. So they're waiting upon the Lord, and they waited for 10 days. When was the last time you waited upon the Lord? When was the last time you turned off all the distractions? We talked about this last Thursday night. You know, there's still a small voice. When was the last time you just waited to hear from God? When you weren't being distracted by the things of the world. We need to spend time waiting upon the Lord. These guys were called to fulfill the great commission, but they need to be empowered to do so. So they couldn't do it in their own strength. We'd already seen in their own strength. Now the spirit's been breathed in them at this point, but he'd been breathed in them even uh, when they were still failing miserably. So point number one there, the coming of the Holy Spirit, a church waiting. Point number two, the church worshiping. Look at verse two. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there, there, then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, one on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, tongues is something that scares Christians sometimes. There's people that believe all the gifts died with the apostles. When the apostles, it's called sensationism, and they just believe when the apostles died, so did all the gifts. I don't believe that for one second. Can I get an amen to that? God's still healing people? <laughs> amen? Did, are there still supernatural? Did you still do miracles? Of course he does, okay? So there's that belief. But then there's the other extreme belief that says if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. Have you ever heard that before? And you got people that are trying to get saved and they're up there like trying to work on their jaw and saying watermelon, watermelon, trying to get something to come out. <laughs> it's tragic. So the, the gift is abused in two directions, okay? But in this case, clearly in scripture, it says when the Holy Spirit fell upon them in this case, 
They spoke with other tongues. But here's what you need to understand. So here they are. They're waiting upon the Lord, a rushing mighty wind. It talks about in other parts of the text where that the wind was so loud, it sounded like a train and people ran from all directions to find out what was going on. So now a crowd has gathered to them and they begin to hear them all speaking and the word tongues there in this case, now tongues, is, it can be a prayer language just between you and the Lord in your prayer closet. It can be something God uses in a believer's meeting, but if it's from the Lord, it will it'll always be done decently and in order because the Holy Spirit's not the author of confusion. Can I get an amen to that? So when somebody rings a chime and 500 people start ripping in tongues, that's not the Lord. Can I get an amen? Okay, and you see that happen. Now, in this case, And by the way, whenever tongues are spoken, there's always a gift of interpretation. And it always talks about God, not to man. Amen? We'll see that in the text tonight. But in this case, the word for tongues is dialectos. And what what happened is, as all these people who had gathered together to Jerusalem for this time of of, uh, of Pentecost, this great crowd that was in town, many of them rushed to where the... uh, to where they were in the upper room because they had heard the sound. It drew them there. And then they all heard the gospel in their own language. Notice what it says. They all heard the wonderful works of God and they heard it in their own language. So more than likely what happened is all these guys who were speaking in tongues were speaking known languages to people in the room so they could understand the gospel. Guys, can our God do that? I'll never forget one time. Now I took Spanish for four years, but I'm far from fluent. But I ran into a guy in Mexico and my wife and I were together and I didn't even realize I talked to this guy for 45 minutes completely in Spanish. We talked about the Lord. I prayed with him to give his life to the Lord. I found him a Spanish Bible. I handed it to him. My wife and I are walking back to the room. She goes, where did that come from? Since when do you speak Spanish? I said, well, I don't really. She goes, babe, that was 40 something minutes. You were just speaking in Spanish. That's the Lord, though. Can I get an amen to that? Because now I'm still, you know, <laughs> un poquito. Can I get an amen? <laughs> right? But the point is that God shows up to present himself to people. Can I get an amen to that? And this is, they're speaking in other tongues. They're worshiping the Lord, but the people around them are all hearing it in their own language. That's a supernatural work of Almighty God. Amen? When the Holy Spirit comes, God does something great because God, the Holy Spirit is God. Amen? So the Holy Spirit would take residence upon the believer and it would be permanent. Again, he never leaves you nor forsakes you. And I'm so thankful for that. And we've talked about this. He's with us, he's in us, and he can be upon us. And the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And I've talked about this, that people talk about the infilling of the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit, being indwelt with the Holy Spirit. As my dad used to say, call it what you want, just get it. Can I get an Amen. And again, it's not, we don't just want the, okay, I want him in me, but Lord, I want him flowing out of me. Amen. I want to be filled so much. It's spilling out of the world around me. And, and you know what? It's not wrong to pray daily. I do. Lord, fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. And why do you pray again and again? Because we leak. Can I get an amen? We need to be filled again. And so here we are. The Holy Spirit shows up. We're going to see the radical transformation that takes place in the lives of these guys who had failed miserably who had denied the Savior, who had not stood up, who were more, fear, more afraid of men than being faithful to God. Notice the tongues of fire. Often we see fire representing the presence of the Lord, the presence of the Holy Spirit. Remember the burning bush, right? 
And, you know, in a, and how did God lead them to the wilderness? A pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. Amen. And often that fire is a representation of God's presence, God's power, and the power of God, the presence of God came upon them. And God has used language before. He uses languages here to draw them together. But back in, you know, in the Old Testament at the Tower of Babel, he confused their languages so they would all be set apart from each other. So they wouldn't all just congregate in one place. So God has used language both to divide and separate people and also to draw them together. Look at verse five, verse seven. It says there, and they were dwelling in Jerusalem, devout Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one another, look, are not all these men who speak Galileans? Now, in those days, being a Galilean was almost an insult because Galileans were not the most, you know, metropolis people. They lived out by the Sea of Galilee. They weren't the most trained, the most educated. You know, you didn't have a lot of Pharisees hanging out in Galilee. And it's interesting that, you know, here, you still hear that today. Somebody said this to me this week. I made a comment about something, you know, and it was, it was some scientific thing. And I made a statement and the guy wrote back and he goes, oh, I see that you live in Newberry Park. Where's that? You know, you don't even live in a big city. You're obviously, you were probably raised, uh, you know, on a farm milking cows. And he was like just attacking me because I didn't live in a big city or something. And that's just ridiculous. But that's how they viewed Galilee. The Galileans were, you know, podunk. You come from podunk town. And they're so they're blown away because they're all hearing their language. And they're hearing it fluently. And all these guys are Galileans. They're not the most educated people. You know what? Praise God that God doesn't care. He doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. Can I get an amen to that? So tongues can also, like I said, in a lot of cases today, it's a private prayer language or it's us, you know, when we speak, speaking to God and not to men, there's always interpretation. But in this case, it was divinely unique because they were glorifying God and everybody could hear it and everybody could understand. What a powerful, powerful thing. Verse 8. And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthenians and Medes, Elamites dwelling in Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and all parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in their own tongues. What are they speaking? The wonderful works of God. See, one of the things that happens too, people will stand, somebody will stand up in a meeting. By the way, uh, it's never appropriate for someone to stand up while someone's preaching and start speaking in tongues. Can I get amen to that? Holy Spirit's not the author of confusion, right? He's not going to compete with himself. Amen. But here's what happens is they're speaking the wonderful works of God and, and nobody's left out. And the interpretation is there. But what's important is when tongues are spoken, it's glorifying God. It's never glorifying man. Can I get an amen to that? Because someone will say they're speaking in tongues, then they'll interpret themselves. And God just said that he's going to use me to do amazing things. No, that's not about you. It's not about you. Can I get an amen to that? Less of us and more of him. And we do everything decently and in order. But God is doing something radical here. 
During their 10-day prayer meeting, there were no doubt great times of worship and prayer, no doubt prayer to be used by God to reach the world for his name. And in this one awesome miracle, the Holy Spirit spoke through them, and men from every nation under heaven heard the wonderful works of God, proclaiming the truth of the gospel. Again, the Holy Spirit is not the author of confusion. Look at verses 12 and 13. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? And others mocked them, saying they are full of new wine. See, when God does something miraculous, the world's always going to try to excuse it away. What they're basically saying is they're just all drunk. Well, that's an amazing thing. If a bunch of drunk people can speak in every known language on the planet, the wonderful works of God. Can I get an amen to that? You know, they, people used to mock the Red Sea and say, well, it was actually the Reed Sea, not the Red Sea. And the water there only gets about four inches deep. So that's why they're able to cross over. And I've had that argument presented to me several times. I say, well, that's an even greater miracle then because the entire Egyptian army drowned in four inches of water. Can I get an amen? <laughs> so there's always somebody who wants to explain away what the word of God clearly says. And they're saying that these guys are just drunk because they're speaking in such a way. Some reacted with amazement and were deeply interested. Others accused the apostles, again, of being drunk. And a lost world will always do that. In John 12, when God's voice was heard, they explained it away as thunder. When Jesus rose from the dead, there were those that said, well, he didn't really die. He just passed out. And then he woke again, and that's why he rose from the dead. Others said his body was stolen, and now at the coming of the Holy Spirit, they say that they are drunk. It's interesting because in Ephesians 5, it tells us, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And isn't it interesting that the world calls alcohol spirits? We don't need spirit, we need the spirit. Can I get an amen? We don't need to be drunk with wine, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Drunkenness feeds our flesh. We lose control. It, it leads to shame and regret. You don't go out and get drunk and make a bunch of great decisions. Can I get an amen? I went out last night and got liquored up and made five great... No, you didn't. That never happens. You wonder where your car is the next day and how you got home. Amen? We don't need spirits. We have the spirit. And guys, when we're radical for Jesus, there'll be those who oppose us and those who try to challenge what we believe and why we believe it. Guys, there's a reason why we need to be in the word. The Bible says we need to be prepared. We need to study to show ourselves approved. Workmen need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Certainly that's pastors, but that's all of us. We need to know what we believe and why we believe it. Can I get an amen to that? And it should be that you know the word of God because you know the God of the word. If you, if you spend time in the word of God, you'll get to know the God of the word better. So we see the church waiting. Then we see the church worshiping. And now we're going to see the church witnessing. Look what it says there in verse 14. But Peter, Peter, really? Peter, Peter who denied Christ. Peter who cursed and said he didn't know him. Peter who ran away and was hiding. Peter who was afraid he was going to get arrested. The same Peter that when Mary came and said, I saw Jesus, he is risen. He said, go tell the disciples and especially... Peter, that I have risen because Peter had denied him. And Peter no doubt thought that the Lord couldn't possibly forgive him. And don't you love the grace of our God that when his resurrection's announced, he makes time to let single Peter out. Hey, Peter, I've forgiven you. What a great and awesome God we serve. We also know later that Peter was out fishing and the Lord was there on the shore. And Peter came in and, and they had fish together. Jesus cooked fish for Peter. And they're sitting there together, and he asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? 
And three times he asked him. Remember, he denied him three times. And now the Lord gives him three, three times opportunities to say that he loves him. See, that's the gracious God we serve. Can I get an amen to that? But Peter, at the same time, we have not seen, we still, you know, where's the, is this going to be the fleshly Peter? Is this Peter going to be different? He's going to stand up and speak to the very people he was scared to death of just 50 days earlier. And look what happens. But Peter, standing up with the 11, raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's the only the third hour of the day. Third hour, remember, that the Jewish time clock started with sunrise. So the third hour would be about 9 a.m. He says, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, said God, says God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my maidservants and on my men servants and my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I, I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Boy, what happened to Peter? Now, I want you to notice, what does Peter do? He shares from the Old Testament. He's speaking to a largely Jewish crowd. He takes them to the scriptures that they believe in, and he preaches Jesus from there. But what has happened? Now, we know this is from the prophet Joel. Not all of this was fulfilled in those days. Ultimately, most of what's going to be fulfilled are speaking about the millennial reign after the second coming of Christ. But what's happening here, she's letting them know that it says that the spirit will be poured out upon them. And that's what you witnessed. And he's using the word of God to deliver the truth. Guys, we don't, people don't need our opinions. Can I get an amen to that? They don't, we're not trying to win arguments. We want to win people to Christ. Amen. Remember the next time you're debating on Facebook. Can I get an amen to that? So we don't want to win arguments. What we want to do is we want to lead people to Christ. And too often, you know, we're trying to show how smart we are. We're all sinners saved by grace. We're just one beggar leading another beggar to the bread. Amen. So Peter, just 50 days earlier, had cussed and from a, a little girl and said he did not know the Lord. And now he's standing up in front of the whole crowd, speaking with boldness and unashamed. And, he's, and, he, and he has the wisdom to quote the word of God, not just his own thoughts. What happened to Peter that transformed him from scared to death to bold as a lion? What is it? It's the Holy Spirit. See, it's the Holy Spirit that transformed Peter from being fearful of a little girl to being faithful in front of a crowd, the same crowd that had cried out, crucify him about his savior. The same crowd that he knew could overrun him if they wanted to. But again, as believers, you plus God is a majority and they can't threaten us with heaven. Can I get an amen to that? The worst thing the world could do to us is the best thing that could happen to us. And guys, I just know that in my own life, I pray daily, Lord, fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. I want to be used for your kingdom and for your glory. Again, it's not pop psychology. It's not trying to meet people's felt needs. It's the Holy Spirit giving the word of God with boldness through a man who's available. You guys know one of my life's verses. I say it all the time. The eyes of the Lord search to and fro among the whole earth, seeking one who can show himself strong on account of one whose heart is loyal to him. See, God's not looking for a better message or a better building 
By the way, uh, the first century church exploded. No buildings, no radio ministry, no gadgets. They didn't have Bozo the Clown or Petting Zoo at the church. Can I get an amen to that? They weren't drawing the crowd with Pacapew Tuesday. They didn't have a thermometer on the wall. What did they do? They preached Jesus Christ, him crucified and risen from the dead, and they called people to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Peter pre preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Paul preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus Christ preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Guys, we shouldn't be preaching anything else. Can I get an amen to that? And the word repent has gotten a bad connotation, but the word repent is a wonderful word. It literally means to change your mind or to turn around. You were headed toward destruction, and by the grace of God and the drawing of the Holy Spirit, you're convicted of your sin, and you turned away from that which would destroy you, and you surrender your life to the Lord, and you became a new creation in Him. Praise God for repentance. Can I get an amen to that? So Peter boldly announces to them, look at verse 22 to 24, men of Israel, he's not, and he's not pulling any punches here. He's talking to these religious leaders. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to by God, by God to you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised from the dead, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Boy, that's preaching it. Can I get an amen? amen. He's looking right at the guy and say, you know that Jesus, you're the ones who crucified him. You saw him do the miracles. You saw the things that he did. You heard the words that he said, and then you. But God, it was God who was the one who allows it. Notice he says that God allowed him to be crucified. See, no man could have crucified Christ unless he allowed it. Can I get an amen to that? Remember when they arrested him in the garden? 600 soldiers came to arrest Jesus, and they were carrying torches. If you've been to Israel, you know, he was in the Mount of Olives in the Garden of Gethsemane. There's a, a you know, a, a, I don't know what you would call it, a gully, if you will, it goes down to the brook Kidron, and then it goes up the other side. And so Jerusalem's elevated, and the Garden of Gethsemane is down lower. And so at night, no streetlights back then, it's very dark out, 600 torches coming to arrest Jesus. You think you might have seen them coming? And not only that, he's God, so he already knew they were going to come. Can I get an amen to that? But he sees them coming, he doesn't run away. And when they come and ask, are you Jesus of Nazareth? He says, what? I am. And what happens to all the soldiers? They all fall backwards. Guys, they didn't arrest Jesus. He arrested them. Can I get an amen to that? He's in control. He's a faithful God. Nobody can arrest him. Nobody can stop him. Nobody can silence him. And it was only because he allowed himself to be crucified. Now, why did he allow himself to be crucified? Because he loves you. Amen? He loves you so much, he'd rather die than live without you. Amen? Everyone else was crucified. I, was, I never saw anybody crucified, but I have an idea that nobody did it willingly. Can I get an amen? And when they're about to have, you know, nails driven through their hands, do you think they might've gone down swinging? Jesus was the only one without a doubt that never fought back because he was the one who was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. Amen. And here he is, Peter, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter, I'm scared to death. 
Peter, a little girl had me running away. I'm sitting up in an upper room and I'm crying. And now I'm standing in front of the, fra- the same crowd that I was so afraid of. And I'm speaking with great boldness. What in the world happened? The Holy Spirit was upon Peter. Amen. Now watch what he does here. He keeps quoting the Bible. This is a great example for all of us to follow. Amen. Look what it says in verse 25 to 27. For David said concerning him, speaking of the Lord, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. He's quoting one of David's prophecies from Psalm 16. And Peter takes them again to the word of God. And he's letting them know that the Lord, first of all, here's, here's a false doctrine that a lot of, you'll hear a lot of televangelists, people on TV say. They'll say that when Jesus died on the cross, he had to go down into hell and endure torment and be born again before he rose from the dead. You ever heard anybody say that before? Okay. Uh, that's nonsense. Can I get an amen to that? What's the last thing he said on the cross? Palestine, which is? It is finished, paid in full. Can I get an amen to that? Now, we know that it says he went to Hades. Now, in, prior to Jesus dying on the cross, those who died, you can see it in Luke 16 with Lazarus and the rich man. There's a place of torment and there's a place called paradise, Abraham's bosom, amen? And it's there that they were until Jesus died on the cross and talks about him, you know, those, those who were in that waiting place entered into the fullness of God's presence. Now, this is where some people may get the idea of purgatory, but purgatory is not biblical. Can I get him into that? The Bible says absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. And the Lord's not in purgatory. Can I get him into that? You close your eyes on earth, you open them up in glory. Uh, these are all man-made rituals to get you to cough up some money so you can pray somebody into... Well, you talk about the ultimate guilt trip. Grandma's in purgatory. We're going to need $1,000 to get her out of there. You can just leave her there if you want. What a tragic thing. Can I get an amen to that? That is so tragic. It's not biblical. We got to be careful. Just because someone's wearing a robe doesn't mean they're preaching the truth. And you should compare anybody who's teaching to the word of God you hold in your hands. Can I get an amen to that? Including this, this pastor. Amen. So I want you to have a Bible. Make sure we're not making this stuff up. Amen. It's the word of God. Nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else. Amen. So then we'll notice in verse 28, watch what he says. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. You will show me the path of life. Peter changes it to the past tense. You have made known to me the ways of life. See, when David said it, it was something in the future. Now, Peter knows it. See, David was looking forward to the Messiah that was coming and didn't have full knowledge of who he would be. Peter walked with him. He had died on the cross. He had risen from the dead. And guys, we're the most blessed of all people because keep in mind in the Old Testament, they were all looking forward to one who was to come. And they didn't fully even grasp some of the things that they did. They couldn't grasp it. Guys, we have the completed revelation and we have the fact that Jesus Christ has come. Can I get an amen to that? And because of that, we're the most accountable of all people. Again, we don't serve a dead God. We serve a risen and living Savior who has triumphed over sin and death. Again, you'll make me full of joy in your presence. Guys, we have the assurance of heaven. 
I've done two funerals in the last two weeks, two memorial services, and they're both new to the Lord. They close their eyes on earth and they open them up in glory. I'm going to be doing my mom's here in a couple weeks, and I'm thankful that she closed her eyes on earth and she opened them up in glory. And guys, heaven is better. Can I get an amen? amen. And guys, we have nothing. Death has no sting. Christians die well. Again, we don't die. We move to a much better neighborhood. Amen? And praise God for that. I'm so thankful. Verse 29. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and in, and in his is in the with us, his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with him an oath that the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on the throne. See, what David was talking about was not himself but someone who was a descendant of his. What is one of the titles for the Messiah? The son of? Son of David. And so David wasn't speaking of himself. He was speaking of the one to come because he said that the, if you go back to those previous verses, it says your holy one will not see corruption. You will not leave my soul in Hades. That's not talking about David. It's talking about the son of David. And the fulfillment of that is found in Jesus Christ. He says in verse 30, Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would rise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He foreseeing this spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. Now, in case you forget, he's preaching all this to a crowd of religious people who had cried out, crucify him. He's speaking to those who had rejected that Jesus was the Messiah they've been waiting for. And he's taking scriptures they teach from and showing them that Jesus is indeed the Messiah and the one they've been waiting for. And they need to be born again. They need to recognize who Jesus is and what he has done. And Jesus, it says in verse 32, has raised up of which we are all, and I love this, witnesses. He says to this crowd, Jesus is risen from the dead just 50 days earlier. This didn't happen five centuries ago. And he said, look, you're all witnesses to the fact that Jesus isn't in his tomb anymore. You all know this for a fact that he's not there anymore. And I love the boldness that he has to stand before them and proclaim the truth. Guys, you know what gives us boldness? It's the Holy Spirit, but it's also the fact that we know and we trust what the word of God says is true. Can I get an amen to that? Guys, we have the truth. We must not keep it to ourselves. People are dying, going to hell without Jesus all around us. How dare we? Guys, imagine if we all had a cure for a disease that killed everyone, and then we gave it to ourselves and kept it from everyone else. We'd be the most selfish people on the planet. You know, there is a, there is a disease that kills everyone. It's called sin. And there's only one antidote to sin, and that's our Savior. Amen? And how dare we keep it to ourselves? We must never do that. Then it says in verse 33, Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this, which you now see and hear. He says, now that Jesus is the right hand of the Father, he has poured out the Holy Spirit upon those who believe in him. And that's what you all just witnessed. He explains to them, it wasn't drunkenness. It was the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And you saw it manifest before your eyes. And guys, here's the reality. Everybody who goes to hell will have to run over the cross of Christ to get there. 
What they'll have to do is reject because the word of God is true. Can I get an amen? It's been proven prophetically, hundreds of prophecies all fulfilled. It's been proven archaeologically. It's been said every time they turn over a shovel of dirt in Israel, there's more proof of Jesus being the savior of the world. Can I get an amen? It's been proven uh, archaeologically, prophetically, historically. You'll hear people say, oh, that person didn't exist. This person in the Bible didn't exist. And of course, they always, they end up, oh, wow, we found his tomb. Oh, wow, we found this guy's. And we're finding out that the word of God is true. Let God be true and every man a liar. Can I get an amen? Scientifically, it's proven to be true. Scientists taught, thought the world was flat when it says in the, it says in the in Isaiah, it's in Isaiah or Job, I'm forgetting right now, where he looks down upon the circumference of the earth. Amen. It's in the Bible, a thousand years before any scientists believed that the world was round. It says that Jonah, they went down to the depths of the sea where the mountains are. Well, no one ever had been down there before, amen? But guess what's on the bottom of the sea? Mountains. Guys, see, we can go through example after example after example. It's been proven scientifically, archaeologically, prophetically, historically. The word of God is true. And guys, we should not keep it to ourselves, amen? We shouldn't be ashamed of it. We shouldn't apologize for it. Be loving, be kind, be gracious, but speak it with boldness. You know what's the greatest proof is it transforms lives. Amen? Amen. Changes our lives. If you met people and you knew before they got saved and after they got saved, you thought, what in the world happened to you? And not only that, there's people that are saved and they love the Lord, but then all of a sudden something radical happens and they really love the Lord. And that's the outpouring of the whole... I've shared this story with you guys. I grew up in a Christian home. I'm a PK. I'm a preacher's kid. And something radical happened to me after I'd been married a couple years where I just was crying out to God and my life radically changed. And, and uh, one of my buddies said to me, you know, before Dave, you were saved, but now you're really saved. <laughs> you know, before you love the Lord, but now you really love the Lord. And the reality is it has nothing to do with us. Again, there needs to be less of us and more of him. Amen. We got to die to ourselves and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's what's happened to Peter. How in the world does that guy, in a matter of seven weeks, being scared to death of a little girl to standing boldly in front of the people that had cried out, crucify him, and he's unashamed of the gospel, and he's speaking it with boldness. It's only because of the empowering work of the Holy Spirit. Guys, infilling, indwelling, baptism of it, whatever you call it, just get it. Can I get an amen to that? Fill me, Lord, with the Holy Spirit. Less of me, more of you, that I might be used for your kingdom and for your glory. There's more proof. It's the witness of believers. Look at verse 33. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, as we said, and having received the Father from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies my footstool. That, of course, is speaking of Jesus and not of David. Peter repeats that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is seated at the right hand of the Father, that he has given us the promise of the Holy Spirit, and that he has transformed the life of his followers. Man, I love the Bible. It's such great stuff. And then he quotes again from the Old Testament, Quoting again, David, the exaltation of the Messiah to the right hand of the Father, that David had not fulfilled the prophecy as his physical body was still in the ground, but Peter had been an eyewitness to Jesus ascending into heaven, as were uh, all the 120. Now, verse 36 says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Lord. 
in Christ. Sometimes people try to share their faith by doling down the sharpness of the gospel. And what I mean by that is they'll they'll be afraid to tell someone they're a sinner. Amen? They'll be afraid to tell people that hell is a real place. Amen? And what they'll try to do is have this easy believism faith where, you know, everybody just close your eyes real quick and put your hand up real quick and nobody has to see what you're doing and just pray a quick prayer and then you can have the promise of eternal life. And again, the Bible says in Romans, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. Amen? But guys, if we can't stand for him in here, we're not going to stand for him out there. Amen? If we cannot be bold for the Lord amongst other believers, how are we going to stand up for the things of God amongst a lost and a dying world? And guys, we have to be unashamed of it to recognize what Christ has done for us is what he desires to do for everyone. Amen? He desires that none should perish, no, not one. It says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He just quoted that earlier. Guess what? We're all whoever's. Can I get an Amen. None of us is so good that we don't need to be saved, and none of us is so bad that we're beyond salvation. Can I get an amen to that? Nicodemus, most religious man, Jesus said, you must be born again. The woman at the well, been married five times, was shacking up with a guy, was the outcast of the entire city, and Jesus led her unto himself. See, she wasn't so bad she couldn't be saved, and he wasn't so good he didn't need to be saved. Guys, that covers all of us. Can I get an amen to that? And so the exhortation here. Everything's changing radically because Peter's gone from a man who operated in the flesh and cut off ears and said, I'll never deny you and told Jesus how to do ministry up on the Mount of Transfiguration to a guy who spoke boldly and was just a tool in the hands of his master. I love it. It says now, verse 37, so he told them boldly, you crucified the Messiah. Can you imagine hearing that? Can you imagine being those who had cried out for it and all of a sudden he's letting them know you're the ones who crucified, you know the Messiah you've been praying for to come for the last couple thousand years? Well, he came and you killed him. Now, again, we know he died of his own free will because nobody could take his life from him, but they're being confronted with it. And then he says there in verse 37, that when they heard it, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Look, see, when the word of God is spoken with boldness and the Holy Spirit is at work in the hearts of people, when they hear it, it brings them to their knees. Can I get an amen? They're at this place, they're like, what can we do? Really, it's, you know, in the, in the original language, it's basically saying, what, what must I do to be saved? How can I fix this, this horrible decision that I made? Is it too late for me to give my life to the Lord? Guys, it's not too late as long as we're breathing in and out, but there's a time coming when it will be too late. Amen. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. We don't want to put it off. In grief and remorse and intense spiritual conviction, Peter's listeners were stunned by this indictment that they had killed the Messiah. Men and brethren, what shall we do? God's word brought conviction. By the way, without conviction, there can be no conversion. Amen? If you're not convicted, you cannot be converted. Until you recognize you're a sinner, you'll see no need for a savior. And without someone to lovingly and kindness, but with boldness all at the same time to deliver the truth of the gospel, many will go to hell without ever hearing it. We must recognize that we are sinners in a desperate need of a savior. So he says, what do we have to do? So what is Peter going to say? They're saying, what do we do now? Oh, the Messiah has been, is it too late? 
What can we do? Now, what does Peter say? Here we go. Verse 38. Then Peter said to them, what's that word? Repent. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There it is. There's salvation. Repent, receive, and again, he says, being baptized is an outward statement of an inward change, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is the down payment on heaven. It's the ownership papers that we belong to Jesus. It's the stamp on our heart that lets us know that we've been born again, that we're new creations in Christ as we are walking and filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to say this about baptism, unless you want to come up and debate me later. It says, and let everyone be baptized in the name of Jesus for. The word for there is because of. In the original language, it means because we've been forgiven, we should be baptized, not be baptized so we can be forgiven. Guys, when Jesus died on the cross, he said to the thief, what did he say? Today you'll be with me where? Today you'll be with me in paradise. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Did he tell me how to get down and get baptized first? What's the answer? Okay, now here's the out. Should we be baptized? What's the answer? Absolutely. Baptism is an outward statement of an inward change. It's a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior. The word, and the word there in the original language means to be submerged, okay? So it's not sprinkling of water, it's baptism, but it's a picture of the fact that I've died to who I am and I'm a new creation in Christ. It's a picture that Jesus died for us and that he rose from the dead. And it's a public proclamation. So we don't baptize babies, we dedicate babies and we baptize people who've given their life to the Lord and make the choice. Now, should we dedicate our babies? What's the answer? You know what it is? It's parents saying, Lord, I know that this baby's yours. I know that you're letting me raise your kids in my house. Can I get an amen to that? And I want to dedicate them to the Lord. And, and you know what? Rededicate them again and again. Lord, they belong to you. They're your children. I give them to you, Lord. But baptism is when we, not a, something our parents decide for us, when we make the decision that I want the whole world to know that I love Jesus. Can I get an amen? That I want to confess him before men. You know, in Santa Cruz, we used to get sometimes 20 churches together. And we'd have a thousand people down at the beach and be doing baptisms in the ocean. I want to see us doing that here. And what would happen is people would be walking by like, what are you people doing? And we'd have people paddle out on surfboards like, can I be baptized? You know, and, and they, would, they would want to do it for the wrong reason sometimes. But what an opportunity for the gospel, amen? And I love the fact that doing it, this public proclamation, because again, if you cannot stand before the Lord, the Lord in front of a jeering crowd, how are you going to stand before the Lord in front of a jeering one? Amen? And guys, I want to encourage you, if you've not been baptized, to be baptized. Again, it's an outward statement of an inward change, saying goodbye to your old life. True faith and repentance result in the gift of the Holy Spirit and only power that can, can sustain the Christian walk. You know, there's a lot of this today, and here's what you see a lot. I'm a, you know, most of you guys know I have a full-time job. I sell advertising. And they always bring in these speakers to rev us up, right? So I'll have a meeting and they'll gather, you know, there'll be a thousand salespeople in a room and they'll get somebody to get up front, you know, and to give you a rah-rah speech to, you know, to help rev you up to be successful. And, and they've always got these things where you, it's all inside you, you know, the, the power's inside of you. And I've, I've shared this with you guys before. We had one guy come up and he literally wanted everybody to stand up. And then he says, here's your mantra going forward. And he says, I say this to myself every morning. He says, I get up, I stand in the mirror, and here's what I say. I sizzle with power and enthusiasm. And he had everybody get up to say that. 
And I go, dude, I ain't saying none of that. But they're getting up there, I sizzle. And then the whole room, I sizzle with power and enthusiasm. And they're just getting themselves all hyped up. And then afterward, he was just the most foul-mouthed, crude person I've ever heard. I'm sitting in the back row, and I'm like, bro, there's going to be sizzling. <laughs> Ain't going to be no power and no enthusiasm. You don't get saved. Can I get an amen to that? You know what's interesting? In- enthusiasm, that word is entheos. It means filled with God. Did you know that? Enthusiasm means entheos, which means filled with God. So there's really no enthusiasm if, you don't have, if you're not filled with God. Can I get an amen to that? And so we don't try to be better. And I'm going to pull myself up on my bootstraps and I'm going to never do that again. Has anybody ever said I'm never going to do that again and done it again besides me? Can I get an amen to that? I will never do that again. And then you do it again. This is what, because we're sinners in desperate need of a savior. Can I get an amen to that? And aren't you glad that he's a gracious God, a loving God, a merciful God? He knows you best and he loves you most. Amen? He knows every wicked, vile thing you've ever done, all the wicked, vile things you're going to do, and he still loves you anyway. What a great and awesome God we serve. And he loves you so much, he'd rather die than live without you, and he's willing to suffer as if he lived your life so you could be rewarded as if you lived his. Again, what a great and awesome God we serve. And Peter's preaching it with boldness. He's letting them know that they need to repent And if they repent, they will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says, for this promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Who are the people that are afar off? It's us. He's saying, look, it's not just for the people hearing this message today. This message of salvation is available to anyone who will believe, the ones who aren't even alive yet, right? Right? Blessed are those who have seen and believed, but even more blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Can I get an amen to that? And praise God that when Jesus died on the cross, certainly he thought about those people, but I believe he thought about every single one of us. Amen? He hung on the cross, he thought about you. And what a gracious and loving and merciful God that we serve. Boy, has Peter changed a little bit? Look at the transformation in his life. And guys, as believers, our lives should change. Our lives should change. There's an old song by Stephen Curtis Chapman that dates me. But one of his songs is, What About the Change? And he's, he talks about how people, Christians will do things and they'll proclaim to know the Lord and they'll have, you know, the word Christian t-shirts and have a fish on their car. But where's the change in your life? And guys, that's the proof of real salvation is that we're no longer who we once were. We're new creations in him. Amen. And we live different. Our priorities are different. Our passions are different. And we certainly view sin differently. Can I get an amen to that? When we once loved it and enjoyed it, now we're, our hearts are broken by it. And you've heard me say that spiritual maturity is seen, not just, it's seen at the distance of time between when you sin and when you repent. The closer you get to the Lord, the shorter it gets. Can I get an amen to that? You used to be able to go a day or two and then it became hours, then it became minutes, and now it's nanoseconds. Anybody bear witness to that besides me? Words aren't even out of my mouth, I'm convicted. Amen say something I shouldn't say, use a tone I shouldn't use, and I'm already asking God to forgive me. Guys, it's a transforming work of the Lord. Now watch this. This is so good. For this promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off. Then he said, and with many other words, he testified in exhorting them saying, be saved from this perverse generation Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And on that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. 
They woke up that morning with 120 believers. And in one day, it went to 3,120 believers. Because the power of the Holy Spirit to bring conviction, to draw people into salvation. And we see that this massive crowd that had once said crucify him, many of them, and the, the man who had run away and hid is now preaching the word of God with boldness. All of this, none of this takes place without the empowering work of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Both in the one who delivered the message and the people that heard it and responded to it. To God be all the glory. Amen? We can't save anybody. It's only the Lord that can bring salvation. Peter was available. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was used mildly by God. I find it interesting. Do you guys remember at Mount Sinai when the law was given and Moses comes down and God struck the people that were having the orgy? How many people died that day? Who remembers? 3,000. So the law was given and 3,000 people died. The Holy Spirit was given and 3,000 people got saved. Can I get an amen to that? You think that's by chance in the Bible? See, the law shows us we're sinners in need of a savior, but it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that we, our eyes can be opened to the truth and that we can be born again. Can I get an amen to that? And praise God for the love and the grace and the mercy of God. And again, rapid church growth program, preaching the death, burial, and resurrection. Notice what he even said there. He exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Well, there's nothing new under the sun. Can I get an amen? Because don't we feel like we live in a perverse generation? Can I get an amen to that? Well, 2,000 years ago, it was a perverse generation then. And every generation is perverse because we're all sinners in desperate need of a Savior. Amen? So finally, we saw the church waiting. They waited upon the Lord. Then we saw not only was the church waiting, but then we saw the church worshiping. And then after seeing the church worshiping, we saw the church witnessing. When you shall receive power, you shall be witnesses to me. Now, finally, we're going to see the church walking. So as believers, what should our lives look like? What should our lives look like today, now that we've been born again, if we've truly given our lives to Jesus Christ? Verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and prayer. There's the model for the church right there. And notice, so these people got saved and they didn't just go home and, and go back to their old way of life. When they gave their life to the Lord, everything about their life changed. And this is the model for the church. Again, the apostles' doctrine, that's the teaching of God's word. Why do we put so much focus on the teaching of God's word? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by it's the word of God that transforms our lives. But not just steadfast in the apostle doctrine, but fellowship. Guys, we need fellowship. Here's the thing. If you sit at home and maybe you listen to someone on the radio or you watch someone on TV or you go to a podcast and you can be ministered to by that. But part of what fellowship is, it's not just you receiving, but you giving. Can I get an amen to that? See, if, if you're not here, you can't use your gifts to minister to other people. If you're not here, you can't, you know, interact. And, and again, I think a pastor friend of mine said this years ago, he said, some of the best time of the entire week is the half hour after amen is said on Sunday. And people turn around and are ministering to each other and talking to each other and praying for each other and loving on each other. Can I get an amen to that? And see, it's when we gather together that we're able to not only receive the gifts that other people have, but to use the gifts that we have to minister to somebody else. See, when someone needs a hug, sometimes God, God wants to use your arms. Amen? 
And when someone needs a word of encouragement, sometimes God wants to use your lips. And that's why it's so important that we be in fellowship. This is a get to, not a have to. Can I get an amen? I know I'm preaching to the choir here on a Thursday night. Now notice this. Let's finish up. It says, then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. You've heard me say this often that blood is thicker than water, but the Holy Spirit's thicker than blood. Amen. When we have Jesus in common, we have everything in common. I had something great just happen on the way to church tonight. Most of you know that I do like my worship music kind of loud in my car. And I was listening to nothing better than you, right? You know, there's nothing better than you, right? I had it on so loud and I was at a stoplight and it was cranking it on the way here to church tonight. My, my car was bumping a little bit, okay? Bumping with Jesus. It's all good, right? And then the person pulls up next to me and this guy's waving at me and I pull, roll the window down and we start singing it together, me and him and the woman in the car. And we're singing out loud. You know, we're praising Jesus in the intersection at the top of our lungs. And I turned down a little bit and I go, where are you headed? He goes, we're going to a Bible study. I said, I'm getting ready to go to teach one. God bless you. God, I'm closer to them than people I'm related to. Can I get an amen to that? Because <laughs> when you got Jesus in common, don't we have everything in common? Don't you? I met people in line at Disneyland. By the time we get to the ride, man, we're just, we're, we're homies. Can I get amen? Why? Because Jesus, it's, it's the Holy Spirit that unites us because we have a common dad. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Can I get an amen to that? And praise God for it. That's why fellowship is so important. The enemy wants to isolate you. He wants you to be alone. Christianity is not for the Lone Ranger. Amen? We need fellowship. We need to be with one another. It needs to be uni unity. And it said they sold their possessions and their goods and divided them among as many as had need. You know, we have so many people in this church that are so generous anonymously. Well, God will put it on their heart that someone has a need and they'll come to the pastors and say, can you just give this to them? I, don't want, I want God to get the glory. And there's so many people like that. Guys, when we recognize everything, this is, I'm wearing God's shirt, driving God's car, living in God's house. Can I get an amen to that? And when we recognize that, then we're, we're willing to let it go because, again, when this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last and nothing else is going to matter. And notice what it says. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. Who adds to the church? Who does it? The Lord does. You know, it's the grace of God. It's the love of God. It's the mercy of God. So the attributes of the spirit-filled church, the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, part of that fellowship means to have in common, the breaking of bread, prayer. Then we see in verses 44 to 46, unity, they're one body, worship, they praise God together, and the Lord adding to the church. See, a healthy and spirit-filled church, not only will we, we be unified in our love for each other, but we'll see God adding to the church as people are getting saved, as the word of God goes forth with boldness and the love and the grace of God is being shared among us. Can I get an amen to that? So the power from heaven, that's where it comes from. Amen. The church waiting. When was the last time you waited on the Lord? When was the last time you turned everything off, heard that still small voice, spent time in his presence? The church worshiping. I'll tell you what, that was some of the funnest worship I've had in a long time at that stoplight, I got to tell you. That was pretty sweet. The guy was literally doing this out the window, and I, I rolled it down, and we're just worshiping Jesus. Man, it's just so good. Can I get an amen? 
I mean, we want to worship him here, but I think it's, sometimes it's better. To, I heard a guy worshiping the grocery store one time. I ran that brother down. Can I get an amen? We worship. We have worship in common that the church worshiping, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak with other tongues. The Spirit gave them utterance. The church witnessing. When was the last time you shared your faith with somebody? I want to encourage you. If you don't feel like that's your personality, I get it. But pray and ask for divine appointments and watch and see what God will do. Right, Dana? <laughs> we pray for divine appointments. Sometimes it's in the hospital. Sometimes it's a neighbor. Sometimes it's a coworker. If we just pray and ask the Lord for an opportunity to share our faith, do you think he's going to answer that prayer? What's the answer? And you know, when you pray for it, you're ready for it. Can I get an amen? You're looking for it. And it's amazing how I pray every day as I, go, I have four sales calls tomorrow. I've already prayed for all of my clients I'm seeing tomorrow and I'm praying for a chance to share my faith with all of them and I can almost guarantee it's going to happen. Can I get an amen? So be praying for divine appointments and opportunity, church witnessing, and then finally, the church walking, the model for the church, teaching the word, discipleship, accountability, communion, love feast, a house of prayer, a house of worship, and the Lord adding to the church daily those who are being saved. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We thank you, Lord, that through your shed blood upon the cross, your son's shed blood upon the cross of Calvary, we've been forgiven. We've been redeemed, adopted, accepted. We're going to heaven. We thank you, Lord, that you filled us with your Holy Spirit, that we never walk this life alone, that you love us so much, again, you'd rather die than live without us, that you're such a faithful God. And we thank you, Lord, that you add to the church daily those who are being saved. I pray, Lord, if there's anybody here tonight that doesn't know you, that today would be the day of salvation. If you're here tonight and you've never given your life to the Lord, the Bible says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. Just want you to raise your hand right where you are and say, I'm, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I'm ready to repent. I've never done it before. Anybody at all? Anybody at all? We thank you, Lord, for your love and your grace and your mercy. And Lord, we pray we would continue to grow in our love for you. We would continue, Lord, to be walking the fullness of your Holy Spirit. I hadn't planned to do this, but if you're here this, here this tonight and you know that you need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, why don't you just stand up and I'll pray for you. Anybody at all. I want to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. I know that I need to be filled again. Anybody else? God bless you guys. I'm standing with you. God bless you guys. Lord, you see those of us who are standing. We come humbly before you. And we cry out, Lord, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Fill us to overflowing. Less of us and more of you. Lord, we need you. Lord, we don't want to walk in our own strength, our own power. But Lord, we want to die to ourselves and walk in the fullness of the Spirit. Lord, those who are standing, I pray you would stir up the gifts you've given them. I pray, Lord, you would use them in a mighty and a powerful way. I pray they would sense your presence and your peace like never before. And I pray, Lord, again, that you'd give them divine appointments and opportunities to point others to you. We thank you. We praise you, Lord. You are a great and an awesome God. We thank you. Your word tells us that we ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a prayer that you answer. So we, pr we thank you for filling us afresh. We ask these things in your holy and your precious name, we pray. And all God's people said, amen.